What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Box, and as promised, Andy Larson is here, covers the Utah Jazz. We're going to talk plenty of Joe Ingles. We're also just going to talk general Utah Jazz stuff because it's chaos in Salt Lake <laughs> City. And we're going to find out whether Donovan Mitchell is going to shape the Eastern Conference. The Jazz are making things happen right across the league, so there's plenty to discuss. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kate Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday. Also, find my other stuff over at ESPN and alongside me today from the Salt Lake Tribune. It is Andy Larson, a fantastic NBA writer. But not only that, uh, a man who's part of the rare club of American basketball writers that I've drank beers with in the fine city of Melbourne. Andy, yeah. it's, uh, it's a pleasure. Dude, I, I was just thinking about that. I, I need to get back to Australia, and I don't know <laughs> when that will be. Uh, I, honestly, Melbourne might be my favorite city in the world. It, like, it, it was it was so much fun hanging out with you guys. Obviously, like, those wonderful restaurants and breweries and whatever else on the river and uh, the, the lovely parks there. Anyway, it was just, it was a joy, and I, I loved my two weeks I spent in Australia. And, yeah, would definitely do it again, no questions asked. So just to clarify, this was the uh, World Cup it's actually exhibition games before the World Cup, warm-up games, whatever you want to call them. But uh, I think Donovan Mitchell was playing, which is probably why you were out there as well as Team USA. But Chris Milton and Brooke Lopez were out there for the Bucs. So uh, that was, I know a lot has happened since then, but I was just thinking it's the middle of July, so it's literally three years ago, which is yeah, kind of yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I think we were there. I, I was there like end of August, if I remember right. So just a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, still... And you think about it, and it's the, like three full NBA seasons have happened since then, and it felt like three seasons combined into like two, two and a half years, right, with like all the bubble stuff and everything that's happened. I mean, it's it's a little bit bonkers. And honestly, during that three-year period, the Jazz mostly stayed the same except for over the last month when things have gotten uh, a little bit hectic, you might say. All right, so as always, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks their first listen or first watch of every day. We're on YouTube. If you haven't tried it out, uh, you can see Andy, uh, Andy's fine face right here today. And uh, yeah, I, I question anybody that wants to look at me daily. But you could do it if you really, really want to. Uh, one other player that played in those games, those Australia vs. Team USA games with Joe Ingles, who's someone that Bucks fans are certainly very fascinated about now. Uh, I guess the first thing I just wanted to ask, it was really interesting. We were talking about it a lot here in Australia. Obviously, he's someone I've got great interest in and have for a long time as well. Uh, but when he did tear his ACL, uh, it was certainly spoken about that he could potentially be traded. But I, I've, I haven't really been able to get a good grasp on whether that was well-received, not well-received uh, by all parties. Was there anything that was he treated badly? What, how did that all play out? You know, it was weird because he he definitely saw it coming, right? Like he's yeah. a smart guy and, and as well, like, established with the CBA and team building and like uh, talks with Adrian Wojnarowski relatively frequently. Like 
Joe is as plugged in to like the NBA trade ideas as, as, as any player in the NBA that I've ever covered or encountered. Right. Um, and so like, he kind of knew like, okay, at this point I'm an expiring contract and I have torn my ACL. So I'm not going to be able to play for the jazz moving forward. Uh, you know, at least not for the rest of the season. So it would make sense for a team that is contending to trade my contract and try to get someone who can contribute on the court. Right. Like, and, and that turned out to be Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who actually kind of contributed more. Um, after the trade, though, he was kind of sour about it a little bit in a way that I don't think I anticipated. And certainly, like, his public comments wouldn't have anticipated. Publicly, again, he was very supportive and kind of understanding of the idea that that he might be traded for something that, that would help the Jazz. And then uh, in, you know, after he was traded, I think he felt a little bit of remorse and a little bit of kind of that, uh, hey, the team that used to believe in me doesn't believe in me anymore kind of pangs. You know, obviously it's a new front office in Utah. Um, and I think that's that's played a role there too. But like he did kind of react more emotionally than I thought he would uh, and, and kind of uh, revealed some misgivings and revealed some, some you know, kind of negative feelings about being traded in, in the way that he was. Now, and, and you know, kind of wanted to establish himself with the Portland Trailblazers, even though he never played with them, right? Like he made a show of putting on the Trailblazers jersey and tweeting about that and his new number with the Portland Trailblazers, you know, all this kind of stuff where obviously he, he's going to play zero minutes with Trailblazers. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of weird from, from that point of view and, you know, kind of inconsistent. And I, the only thing that I can think to explain it is, like, it's just – one thing to think that you're going to be traded and an, and another thing to kind of go through that emotional experience of, of being traded. And I think that's kind of what Joe ran into and, and kind of felt different things about when, uh, when the process happened. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe the process didn't happen in the way that he thought it would, but to me, it seemed really pretty straightforward. Like this is what I expected to happen. And um, anyway, it was, it was just kind of it, it, very interesting how that happened for sure. By the way, if there are any Bucks fans that are listening to this that don't follow Joe on Twitter, highly recommend it. There is some yeah. very, very good content, including recently, I think someone tweeted to him and said, you know, you're only going to play five minutes with the Bucks or something like that. And he was like, well, it'll be five minutes more than you've ever played in the NBA or something like that. <laughs> so he, he's uh, good. It's good content. And, and I do think, you know, and this is just me from afar uh, speculating, but uh, clearly you would have seen and heard and most people would. I mean, he's extremely competitive. So I, I think that there is, there is probably a part of him that feels that there has been a lot of people that have written him off. There was a lot of talk about his play before the injury and he probably thinks, I've got plenty left in the tank and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove you guys wrong. But as far as his play did go to start 2021-22, let's start defensively because I think that's where a lot of people are really focused on with how he could fit in the box. Could he be a guy that comes in and plays a big part in a playoff rotation. What did you see defensively up until the injury? It, it wasn't to his peak standard of, mm. you know, I think peak Joe Ingles defense was the Oklahoma City series against Paul George, right? Like okay. where he was legitimately passed, legitimately very annoying. And he's so big, you know, six nine, six eight guy, like um, with pretty good length. And yeah, he's obviously not quick, but like uses his size and strength really well to, to frustrate guys like Paul George. Um, this year, you know, I think he was clearly a lot less mobile and, and maybe just a lot less um, feisty than he had been in previous defensive years. And 
uh, you know, I think there are kind of numerous explanations for that. I think the most obvious one and kind of the one that you have to be afraid of if you're a Bucks fan is that he's just older now than he was then. And so like naturally he's going to have like that diminished uh, athleticism and diminished like verve for the game, if you will, you know, but, but I think there's also kind of a reasonably uh, equal and, and likely explanation that like, Hey, he was just kind of tired after the Olympics experience and uh, the shortened off season of the of the bubble and the summer league and everything else, and and having had played you know kind of three seasons in the course of two years. So it, it's going to be interesting, you know, after an ACL tear. Obviously, that's a that's a really tough injury to get back from, um, but he's going to be more rested and more motivated than ever too to help the Bucks. Um, you know, I think if I don't think that he was necessarily a, a super negative defender. Um, frankly, I think the the take foul rules are really going to hurt him. I don't know that like anyone used more take fouls than <laughs> Joe Ingles did uh, in transition because he is not, you know, an elite transition defender. Um, but I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like, yeah, to what extent the rest outweighs the the aging and the the ACL return and that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of energy. I don't know if you've heard about Built Bar. Has uh, David Locke, maybe in the media room, has he flicked you guys some yeah. Built Bars over the years or anything like that? Uh, we don't get any. Built Bar is a Provo-based company, I think. Uh, yeah. So they are they are based here in Utah. That's why we got Andy on the pod. This is already the best <laughs> Built Bar. This is already the best Built Bar ad read we've had in the history of the show. But uh, we're talking about the coconut brownie chunk puff today, which. Does sound pretty delicious to me. They're from the people that invented uh, healthy and tasty. Comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, uh, but now they're giving it the puff treatment. That's right. Coconut brownie chunk built bar uh, is now in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's fluffy. Cl- it's a fluffy cloud of brownie goodness. And uh, the good news is, of course, it's healthy for you. As well, as uh, they use collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is also good for you at the same time. They're not going to be around forever, though. And Frank, uh, my co-host, was very upset last week with a particular flavor that disappeared. And this is what they do at Built Bar. They'll bring in the new flavor. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Uh, use promo code LOCK15 at built.com. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. If, if we just stay on the defensive side of the ball as we keep discussing Joe Ingles here, uh, my optimistic take or the, the most optimistic view that I can potentially take here is that uh, you already mentioned the, the fatigue stuff. That's certainly something I've mentioned. I don't think he was the only player that probably suffered a bit from the Olympics and those types of things. Uh, the quality of perimeter defense on the Bucks, in terms of, you know, having a Drew Holiday out there, obviously playing alongside Giannis in a team that should be top five-ish defensively, certainly by the time they get to postseason basketball, I'm wondering if the quality of individual defenders on the team will will help him. Uh, and then also, just to your point, it's going to be a short season for Joe. And then that that might be that might be a good thing as well. Obviously, he's going to have to get back into form, but that could help. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And, um, you know, obviously had 
maybe you know the longest or close to the longest defender in Rudy Gobert, but elsewhere on the Jazz's roster was really small. I mean, you look at the Jazz's three starters, uh, you know, the, whether that's Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Royce O'Neal, all those guys below 6'4", Conley 6'0", Donovan 6'1", 6'2", Royce O'Neal 6'4", you know, like that's that's just a very different setup than what the Bucks have, you know, and, and um, Boyan Bogdanovich as a four compared to like Giannis is obviously a very different story. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think, I, I think it could help from with his weaknesses and his weaknesses are not so much as like one-on-one individual, you know, I, I didn't think he was being killed in ISO situations or anything. Again, it was kind of like in those half spaces in transition uh, in rotation when he's, you know, being asked to help down low, he was, would be either late to that spot or just kind of do the, the Olay defense. Hey, I don't want to commit a foul here. So I'm, I'm going to let you get to the rim. Um, and you know, it's, it's less about kind of the perimeter aspect of it and more the interior aspect of it. So I, yeah, I, I do think that like probably the, the, the Bucks's defensive personnel around Joe makes more sense and will kind of probably make him look better uh, than he otherwise would have in a jazz uniform. So if we go to the other side of the ball then, because again, when you talk about prime Joe Ingles, you're talking to, what was it like three seasons ago when uh, the pick and roll yeah. with Derek Favors was the most unstoppable force in the NBA. Uh, yeah. And and I think everyone looks at him and they're like, sure, he's going to get wide open threes in this offense. He's probably going to be able to knock them down at a pretty decent clip. That did drop off last year. I'm curious if you have any reasons why that would be the case. And then uh, I guess the other element to what Bucks fans will be hoping he can bring is, can he bring that secondary ball handling still uh, at a decent level? Yeah, I, I have no reason why the three-point shooting would go down. I think he was doing taking pretty much the same shots. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably, to me, the thing that makes most sense there is variance. Or, or you know, maybe you can say, hey, the, the rest there impacts the legs and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, I think probably variance is the most likely thing there. I, I, I didn't see anything different in practice or shoot arounds that he was doing, you know, I, I think he's still going to be a pr- very likely an awesome three point shooter. Um, and then, yeah, like from kind of a pick and roll point of view, you're right. Like he is masterful at the pick and roll and I, you know, not only with Derek favors three years ago, but even in the last couple of seasons with Rudy Gobert really got pick and roll chemistry and, and really, you know, threw him lobs better than anyone else on the jazz uh, the the uh, pay, the the pass fake dish or mm. pass fake layup is probably the signature shot for Joe and and is uh, truly so much fun uh, and super effective and should continue to be uh, no matter kind of who he's running pick and roll with. Obviously, like w- defenders are still going to be worried about Giannis pick and rolls or or whoever it is, you know, Bobby Portis even. Um, you know, I I think. Um, it's I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think I guess the, the one concern would be if, is if he is moving less well um, on the offensive end, you know, is, can he still get all the way to the rim? Um, he's gotten more of a floater and kind of more of a mid range game in the last couple of years, but really it is nearly less than every other player in the NBA, right? Like he, he just goes to it so rarely. Um, and, and so I, I think if he, can't get all to the way all the way to the rim if the pass fake stops working if he you know becomes that little bit slower it could be problematic but i still think you know overall and it's so hard to know whether you know he'll come back at 80 percent from the acl or 90 percent or whatever it is um but it, it should make a lot of sense in the bucks offense 
so long as there's spacing around those lineups when when he's playing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you just look at the Bucks roster, and we'll move into more sort of broader Utah stuff now, but if you look at the Bucks roster, they've pretty much, well, they have. They've brought back every single player. And I heard someone describe the Joe Ingles edition as, now they've used a decent salary slot on him with the taxpayer yeah. mid-level. So it's it's a fair investment, but someone described it as, well, the Bucks have already got their, their buyout guy for this year and they might add another player. But if he's healthy, I still just think it's a pretty quality addition to a team that we expect is going to be uh, pretty good. Utah is is interesting to me, and and you're far more plugged in to it than what I am. But I think most people assume there was going to be some change. I'm not sure how many people predicted that the whole thing was going to be blown up because when you talk about consistent teams over the last three four year period, really since the Bucks have been good, the Jazz have been right there with them in the West in terms of regular season records, and in fact, a team that have given the Bucks serious troubles over over the years as well so did you see this coming you know honestly probably um at least in in the last few months right like i think the 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 season that was 2021-22 was so underwhelming uh losing in the first round despite not really having injury problems uh to a team that was missing luka Doncic for the first half of that series um and the chemistry issues that were happening on the floor, uh, the fact that Donovan Mitchell didn't take the step to an all-NBA caliber player, uh, and, and then, you know, the fact that they were able to get as much in return for Rudy Gobert, you know, I think Quinn Snyder saw the writing on the wall a little bit, and that's one of the reasons he left. Is like, hey, there's no real way for this team to get better, given that the, the uh, supporting cast is aging, right? Like Mike Conley clearly took a step back this year. William Bogdanovich didn't actually had a great season, but it's just the math works out that, you know, 34 year olds are probably going to get worse at some point. Um, you know, you, did you want to bring Rudy Gay had a bad season? Do you want to bring Hassan Whiteside back? Uh, they don't have any young players of note. And so it was just like, you know, how do you, how do you get better given that you've already traded away a lot of your first round picks too? And I, you know, I don't think that the jazz had a good answer to that question. And I think that's one of the reasons Quinn Snyder stepped down um, and then, you know, obviously you got this great haul for Rudy Gobert. I think they were looking to make moves and, and probably break up the Donovan and Rudy core. And then frankly, at this point, you know, what is the upside of a Donovan Mitchell led team without a realistic path to a second star, you know, like, um, given that Donovan's contract ends in three years, uh, I guess you can, you know, hope you draft someone and get, you know, develop a star from the 20th pick or whatever, but that's just really hard to do. So yeah, you know, I, I think it kind of makes sense. And this is the, the jazz avoiding the middle a little bit of like, Hey, they realized they were in the middle. They were, you know, the fifth seed uh, yet again, after, you know, kind of three of the last four years, the jazz have been in the number four or number five seed and realized that they weren't especially close to actually contending for a title. And at that point it's like, okay, can we do anything to make the team better? No, then Blowing it up probably is the right move in a championship or bust kind of mentality. Yeah, you might uh, pick up your next tall Frenchman in 12 months' time anyway, if all things uh, work out well. I'm not a draft expert, but people seem... I'm sure there's jazz fans that are starting to dream. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> the tapes of, like, Rudy Gobert playing against Victor Wembanyama do not hurt, uh, do, you know... There's, there's a lot of speculation there. But look, if, if the Jazz trade Donovan, there's a real chance they're the worst team in the league next year, right? Like, yeah. 
their best player at that point is probably Malik Beasley or Jordan Clarkson. You know, like that's probably the worst best player in the league, right? Like, you know, I, I would probably take Paolo Bencaro over Jordan or Malik Beasley, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just hard to win uh 20 25 games that way even so it's it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be a complete shift of narrative obviously new coach new front office like we've talked about but like it's uh yeah it's it's going to be a new era for sure so before i ask what you think is going to happen with donovan mitchell the other part of this utah stuff that bucks fans have been sending us questions in the in the youtube comments and those types of things who else is up for sale because let's be honest the bucks don't have uh many options on a trade table honestly the most enticing package i'm just going to let you know this is the package that everyone's trying to pick up someone for is grayson allen uh, someone you're familiar with george hill just for the, the extra salary also someone you're familiar with actually and yep. and again whatever multiple second round picks that's literally all they're doing and bucks fans want to know given the fact that utah just got a zillion first round picks for rudy gobert maybe they're what they're asking is uh has been uh, significantly inflated but they're asking about patrick beverly jordan clarks and these types of guys that are in that 10 to 15 million dollar salary range they are absolutely for sale um and i think there's a world where even second round picks can get those guys um i'm trying to think george's george hill's deal does he have one year left on his deal or or multiple one year that uh, one, one year, year for him yeah okay so one year for him and then grayson allen's deal um yeah i mean honestly there could be some matches there i'm not gonna lie like the jazz everyone is for sale like this is uh th- yeah the term fire sale is not inaccurate <laughs> and so um I, you know i think the jazz will take the best offer for guys like pat bev and jordan clarkson and mike conley and you know you can go down the list uh Bojan Bogdanovic would make some sense you know like um it's it you know i i don't i i think they will hope for first round picks in return for some of those guys you know like i, I in particular bogdanovich strikes me as someone who mm-hmm. probably is worth a first round pick given his shooting ability and you know, honestly very good playoff performances um mike call is pretty low right now after a tough playoffs but i think they hope to rehab that a little bit uh jordan clarkson i think you probably could get for some seconds uh and you know there just hasn't been a lot of trade uh trade interest in jordan clarkson to this point you know they they did look at moving him at the trade deadline along with joe ingles and and didn't find a a buyer's market um well oh yeah patrick beverly absolutely a guy that um I, i think they would like to get a first for some team but if if they have to settle for some seconds i think they would probably take it you know like it's just not the direction that the Jazz are going in. And you have all these players who are between 31 and 34 years old. Uh, they're not going to be more valuable than they are now. That now might be the time to move them. Uh, interesting. You've just got some Bucks fans very excited, I'm sure. Uh, what about Donovan Mitchell? Because even before uh, the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert, certainly I was keeping a close eye on Donovan Mitchell because it does feel like he has the potential to shape what happens in the East, depending on which team he goes to specifically if he goes to Miami, for instance, because I do think as you pointed to, yeah, yeah, if he's your best player, maybe you're not contending for a title, but if he goes to Miami and he's playing alongside Butler and Adebayo and potentially Lowry, all these guys, I don't know what the deal would look like. Uh, then yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty strong team in the East. How do you feel this is going to play out? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, a, it's almost certain that he's going to be traded and, 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 you know, I'd say, 
they would really like to do it before training camp opens. And, you know, they're trying to establish a new culture with new coach and everything else. And I think a uh, lingering Donovan Mitchell doesn't necessarily help you with that. Um, I think by far, you know, the, the most likely option is the New York Knicks. And uh, because they have this vast array of picks they can trade, I mean, they can trade eight first round picks and four of their own and four of other teams that they've acquired in trades um, along with their own pick swaps as well. And then they have a number of like useful young players that, you know, from RJ Barrett to Quentin Grimes to Emmanuel quickly to Miles McBride to Cam Reddish. I mean, they have just a whole bunch of these dudes who you would want to take a flyer on as a bad team, you know, as a team that was building towards the future. So um, I, I think that by far is the most likely possibility. Um, you know, I, I think the the heat deal could happen, you know, if the Knicks walk away completely and said, Hey, you know, we don't want to do this at all. You're still probably going to be able to get from the heat, uh, Tyler hero, probably two or three first round picks of their own unprotected three pick swaps, something like that. And, and you know, let's say Max Struess or Gabe Vincent or something, you know, like, so, and, and also Duncan Robinson, who would be the salary ballast in that deal. I think um, that is significantly less likely than the Knicks option because those Miami hit picks are frankly just much more likely to be good or, or I guess bad picks than, than the Knicks picks will be right. Like that, that heat team would be better than the Knicks almost certainly. Um, And the heat have been a well-run organization where the Knicks have not been. Um, So I, you know, I I think that's kind of the idea there. Um, that's not to like completely dismiss the Miami op- option, but I think it's possibility. The, I, I guess the other one from like a Bucks point of view is the possibility that Brooklyn gets him. And I, I think, uh, you know, from what I understand, the the Nets would be very interested in like Donovan Mitchell as the centerpiece of a return in a Kevin Durant deal. Um, that being said, it's really hard to pull off from, you know, obviously then you're talking a four team trade. Mm-hmm. Um you you got to find somewhere to get Ben Simmons because of the NBA's collective bargaining agreement that says you can only have two of the designated rookie extensions uh, or only one of those designated rookie extensions acquired via trade on one team. Uh, you can, you know, I, I think the Kevin Durant to Phoenix thing is way harder now that DeAndre Ayton has uh, completed his, his offer sheet. And so it's hard to figure out. And yet I, I do think like there, there are kind of, competing there there are compelling reasons that the next sorry that the nets would do that and the you know you could get significant return back from a jazz point of view from whatever team was kind of acquiring kevin durant if that makes sense so um uh, definitely knicks number one heat number two nets number three kind of the field after that but yeah i think there is a really good chance that it, when donovan is traded it'll be to the eastern conference and I think, well, we've discussed this, but I think if you're if you're a Bucks fan, you're probably okay with it being the Knicks, uh, more so than probably Miami. That's probably what you're hoping for. Last one for you. I got to ask about you. You've gone from uh, covering a a perennial playoff team with you know the hopes of being able to cover the finals and see the see the, the Jazz in the NBA finals, and now not so much. How do you feel about this? First of all, how's the last few weeks been, and how do you feel about this moving forward? Look, like this last jazz season, not including the last three weeks, was the hardest jazz season I've had to cover. And I've covered the team from 2013 was the first year I had a credential. So that was the last Ty Corbin year. That was when the jazz won 25 games. Mm -hmm. Um, 
this was harder in a lot of ways. This was, uh, you know, players sniping at each other, coaches <laughs> sniping at the media and players sniping at the media too. Um, you know, a new front office trying to uh, establish and uh, power and new relationship dynamics with the coaching staff. Um, there were kind of all these players trying to like find a way with playing time. It was just tough, like from a media point of view. I, I you know, I, I think I'm kind of excited for new stories and new players and new uh, kind of a fresh start. And and I think a lot of people in your organization are. Um, obviously, yeah, the fresh start means that the Jazz are going to win like 25 games next year, um, and that's going to be interesting and you know mind numbing in its own ways. But like. Uh, I also know, again, from covering the team from 2013, that it can be like kind of the start of a new window and the start of something. And there are always, you know, kind of storylines in in the growth process too. So um, I am less pessimistic about it than you might think I would be. And and I, yeah, kind of do. I, you know, I actually really like Donovan. I really like Quinn. I really like Rudy Gobert um, as as people. But I just think that the situation was was frankly toxic and uh, that it's restarting in a new and, and, you know, kind of uh, it's, it's spring for the jazz again, or maybe it's, maybe it's the beginning of winter, but like it will be spring soon. And that's kind of exciting. I guess. It's fascinating. It's very fascinating to see how it's all played out. And like I said, like, I don't think there's a huge coincidence that the, the jazz probably potentially see a, a pretty fruitful, NBA draft night next year if all things work out. So it might be in their best interest to lose a bunch of these games and you can speed up that uh, process there. It'll be interesting. We'll be following along with you. You can get Andy at Andy B. Larson on Twitter. And also you'll see his, see or find his work over at the Salt Lake Tribune as well. Uh, been far too long since we spoke, Andy, but this I, yeah. this was this was really insightful. I think Bucks fans are going to like this one. Well, I'm glad. And uh, yeah, next time I'm in Australia, uh, <laughs> we, we got to, I don't know, we got to find some time to make meet up down there. Well, I, I never need an excuse for a beer, Andy. So uh, <laughs> yes. I will be available. I will be available. There's no doubt about that. As I said, follow Andy's work. Uh, we'll be back for the rest of the week. We've still got plenty to discuss uh, on Lockdown Bucks. So we're going to keep working through uh, the off season until then. Speak to you guys tomorrow.